You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for Swamp247.com. Uh, Blake, it's been a little bit. We've had National Signing Day now. Uh, so I really wanted to get into talking a little bit about Florida's 2020 class and how the Gators kind of finished up there because I thought it was a pretty strong close. Um, I guess, Blake, first off, what was your initial impression of the just the 2020 class as a whole? You know, I think just from overhaul, just looking at the 2020 class, I think Florida did a great job. Uh, I think if you look at the needs that they wanted to hit, um, you know, uh, I mean, just to kind of unpack everything here, we'll start off. They landed a, a quarterback that fits their need really well and a four-star mm-hmm. in Anthony Richardson. I think you could even add a plus that you got a guy like that on campus, even if it's for a couple spring practices. He was there, and he can enroll early, and he was able to uh, participate in some of those Orange Bowl practices. So I think that's good, and I think the biggest thing for him yeah, he probably needs to work a little bit more on his passing, um, become a little more polished there. I think he's made a big jump from junior year of high school to senior year of high school in that aspect. Um, but I also think, too, that, I mean, he's a freshman, man. Like, those guys have to be worked on all the time. So I, I really like the upside with him, and I, I really like how well he fits in the offense. Running back was a little bit of a position that Florida um, struggled on a little bit there. Um, you know, they had a, a need. Uh, for you know, at least one high school back at one point, they were looking at maybe even taking a second. Um, <clears throat> a lot of those guys fell off the board there, but Florida did add a guy through the transfer portal in Lorenzo Lingard. He's a former five-star running back. We've talked about him on here before. He's already on campus. Um, but you know, just kind of going through the rest of Florida's class, I think they did a good job with wide receiver. Mind you, that two of those guys that they've signed at the position will need a waiver to play next year with guys like Jordan Pouncey um, and Justin Shorter. But one of those guys is a former five-star player, a former number one wide receiver, and Shorter being the number one guy in 2018. Mm-hmm. So those guys are both transfers. Sure, transfer guys, him and Pouncey, they'll need the waiver. But see, the thing for me is that when Florida was talking to Shorter about a lot of things, they they talked to him a lot about how they used Kyle Pitts and how he was at you know at big body, um, you, you know, almost a tight end, almost a receiver type of guy for Florida. It's, I mean, it's how they kind of use him. They never really throw him down as a, you know inline blocker or anything like that. But I think that big body style receiver, I think, is what he brings to the table. Um, and I, I think the staff is very excited about him. Uh, you know, could he have a waiver next year? I, I don't really know. There's a lot of things going on at Penn State. Um, I know one of the reasons that he did leave was that it was a little bit of a crowded room. So I, I don't really know how that's going to work there, and you never know how the NCAA is going to work. Uh, you know, another guy they signed on signing day, four-star Xavier Henderson, uh, one of, if not the top guy at Florida's wide receiver board this cycle. Uh, big win over Clemson earlier in January when he picked Florida over Clemson at the uh, Adidas uh, All-American Bowl it is. So I think that Florida had, has some pieces there that I really like. Um, you know, signing day, uh, kind of looking at that, yeah, there were some ups and downs. Florida had some guys. I think even kind of going back to the December signing period, I think the thing for Florida is you just want to see them close a little better. I, I think that, you know, you see Florida get a lot of these guys on campus. You know, Tim Smith was kind of one of those guys that really defies the recruiting logic where you had a guy who visited nine times um, mm-hmm. compared to, think maybe three maybe four times of him going to the school he was committed to in Alabama over the span of like a year and still didn't flip so I think that you know sure Florida's 
on the right track with recruiting. Every year gets a little bit better. Um, 2019, they had some some guys that didn't make it in academically or whatnot. Um, really didn't seem to be kind of the case here in 2020. Um, for the most part, all these guys are kind of checking off all the boxes. And the ones who ha- were a little close there haven't signed with Florida yet. So I think you've seen a different approach there. Obviously, whenever you end with the number eight recruiting class there, sticks in the SEC, this is a 90 average for Florida. I think there's a lot of pieces that they brought in there, but I think the closing part is where Florida fans really want to see things get better. And I think even the coaches too, you know, you put a lot of work in for some of these kids to see it go the other way. Um, and I think the best example of that is a guy in four-star Avante Williams. I mean, I was there at the, the ceremony, um, Florida, <laughs> up there getting him. You know, I think a lot of people, I, I think it was, you know, it was, a, it, you could say that it was a shocking signing day surprise there. Um, I, I think that, you know, I started getting some calls uh, the Tuesday before signing day. And I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm late thinking like I'm hearing this Miami buzz and I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it's just how it is signing day. Um, you know, Miami's felt good on a lot of kids, you know, that thought they were going their way on signing day. It didn't happen. So I kind of chalked it up to one of those things. I mean, I even took a picture and I posted on the swamp 24 seven message boards. I mean, Avante's congratulations cake after signing day was in orange and blue, like icing and whatnot. So, I mean, this was yeah. a really late development to where, you know, they hired Ed Reed there. He had built a really good relationship with him during Under Armour. That was his coach there. Um, and, you know, and I think you should give credit to Miami staff with just the relationships they've also built with him too. Um, but that was just, you know, a really big surprise on signing day. Um, so I think that there is probably the closing part is where Florida wants to get better at there. Um, but they did end the day of National Signing Day with some good news, getting a guy in uh, four-star defensive end, Princely Uman Mielin. Um, Don't know if I'm still saying that right or wrong. Well, that'll be to be continued. I think I'm right now. Yeah, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> but that was a big win over Florida. I mean, here we were the night before National Signing Day. Baylor's been pretty confident here. Um, you know, the family, it was admitted that the family wanted him close to home. And of all the official visits he took, the only one that the family actually went to was to Baylor. So I was, you know, I was hearing some Florida buzz there late on National Signing Day Eve. I went with Baylor just off the gut of just kind of family winning out there. The more signing day went on, the more we started to hear more buzz on Florida. And that was a nice addition to Florida's really solid defensive line class. Um, And he's a little different because Florida signed a lot of those interior defensive line guys. And I think that Princely brings a little bit of a difference there because he's a true five technique, strong side defensive end guy Um, where Florida really needed some bodies there. You know, I mean, past Jabari Zuniga. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas. I think it's just Zachary Carter and uh, Andrew Chatfield. I think those are the only guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, so Florida really needed some help there. Um, Did a really great job signing some interior guys in December. You know, five-star Javon Dexter. You know, I mean, they they got a really awesome defensive line haul. And I think that Princely was kind of that cherry on top. And even made it more so of a big win for Florida because they needed those guys that play that five technique. So, um, you know, yeah, Thomas, top to bottom, I think Florida has a really really great class. And I think 2021 is kind of building up to where Florida can maybe even take that next step. Yeah, well, we talked about it a little bit, you know, after the early signing period when we were looking at the actual day, um, you know, that the early signing period opened and Florida had, I think it was four or five guys that they were kind of watching for, you know, potential commitments and they didn't really get any of them. Uh, So it felt a little disappointing. Maybe if you kind of look at that the same way here with the miss on Avante Williams uh, not being able to, uh, you know, get a couple of the other guys that were out there. Jameer Gibbs ends up sticking with the Georgia Tech commitment. Um, but I think when you look at it in a in a broader context, um, you know, Florida did flip Joshua Braun from Georgia, you know, That's right true. before the early signing period. They landed Xavier Henderson in a, in a very tight Daniel's contest. Daniel's another guy honestly. that flipped close to right there before the early signing period, too. So, I mean, it's perception, man. I mean, Florida could have very well right. told these guys, hold off, wait, and do it on signing day so we have this big finish. So, you know, yeah, I, I think... 
I think there's some truth. To, I, I know what you're saying that Florida has done a good job closing some of these guys. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's obviously still room for growth. I think we both agree on that. You know that, but it's really to me, it's Florida's only maybe two guys per class away from having that happen. You know, you landed Demarcus Bowman. All of a sudden, this class looks a lot better on paper, and then you start pushing into that that range of those top five programs uh, that were pretty much untouchable in recruiting this cycle, and then and then you really start to build that throughout the roster. That's the other thing I think we we sometimes overlook when it comes to Dan Mullen. The, the bottom half of Dan Mullen's recruiting classes have gotten significantly better from what we saw when sure. Jim McElwain was around. I mean, it's not even close. And so, guys, that um, you know. If, if a couple of the top rated guys didn't pan out before you were going, you know, you were going to guys that were significantly less talented. I think now what you're going to see with Dan Mullen is there's not going to be nearly as much difference between, you know, those truly elite prospects and guys that can come in and be very, very serviceable guys. And so that like when I look at this class, that to me is what I see is it's there is a lot of really good four star players. Um, you know, the blue chip ratio is way up. Um, but Blake, I did want to ask you, I know you mentioned the defensive line. What do you think is the the biggest strength in terms of position wise for this class? You know, I think it is the defensive lining, maybe even more so to, to kind of navigate here through the it's it's defensive tackle. And mm. I think whenever you have a guy like Jervon Dexter, I mean, 24 seven sports has him rated as a number six overall player on the top two, four, seven. I mean, you're getting a dude when you have a guy ranked like that. You have a guy who's coming in at six foot six and a half, 286 pounds. And I mean, he's a solid, agile, quick, you know, I mean, he's he's a essentially he's a basketball player that has learned on the fly to play qu- football at a quick level. And he's and rated I think the, that, the best in Florida. Best right. He's, in Florida. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that you have an extremely high upside for a guy who is still ranked number six. So, you know, you're going to get him in there. You're going to get him in this, you know, the the strength and conditioning program that has done wonders under Nick Savage. I think David Turner's done a good job showing that he's a top-notch defensive line coach, just looking at the body of work Florida put under there last year. So I think Jervon Dexter, I, I mean, I have really high expectations for him. You know, I, I don't know if he's a guy that jumps in and it just makes this huge impact his freshman year. I think he does. I, I expect him to get those reps. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know if it's just from him being raw, but I think as the season goes on, I think you'll start to see him, maybe the wheels start to turn and take that corner. So I, I, I'm extremely high on him. Um, I, I think that Florida, you know, even looking at guys like Johnny Brown, I think he's a guy that's really versatile. I mean, this is a guy who was playing running back for his high school at times. I've seen him line up at tight end and wide receiver in seven on seven. And he's a big defensive line. Just a big athletic. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world. You know, six two, probably two seventy five range. I say would probably be where he's at now. He's beefed up a little bit from what his profile has him at. But I mean, again, I mean, he's playing wide receiver out there in seven on seven. He's playing running back. I mean, he he's a very athletic kid too. So I mean, Florida's adding some size where you have a guy like Dexter, but you're also bringing some of these really agile. Guys, so you know those guys. I really like Jalen Lee out of Louisiana. I thought his senior tape was really fun. Um, you know, even looking at another guy. Uh, I know that I'm missing one more on the defensive line. Lamar Goods. Who, Lamar uh, Dan Goods Mullen too. Said he's really he's the with. guy that I, again. I mean, he's the one that I even look at me now. I forgot about him. I've kind of forgot about him all year in terms of you know he's just a guy there. He's on campus. He's enrolled. He's going to do spring ball there. Um, you know. I, He's he's whenever talking to him, whenever he took his official visit to Florida in the summer, he preached that he's one of those guys that's big in the weight room. And I think that those are the kind of guys um, even kind of going out of left field here and talking about a guy like Joshua Braun, another guy who's really big into the weight room. I think that those guys, when you have them in the spring and you have guys who are going to be really serious about the weight room, I think those are the guys that can translate really well into seeing the field early. Well, and that's the thing, too, about this defensive line class. You know, we talked about it going into 
you know, the early signing period and signing day, this was a spot that Florida had to really land some dudes. I mean, they had to get some guys that can potentially play right away because you look at the roster and you, you go to those interior tackles, you're really only talking about uh, two guys right now, Kyrie Campbell and Tadarrell Slayton or TJ Slayton that have, have played significant snaps. Um, you know, Elijah Conliff has not really had his breakout yet, was obviously hurt this year uh, and ended up not playing. He'll probably redshirt, so that might end up being a good thing long term. Um, but Marlon Dunlap was another guy that was injured a lot. All those guys are seniors uh, or at least fourth year players. So um, Florida's going to need some of these young guys to pretty much be starting uh, come 2021. So it was really important that they got not just um, a bunch of bodies, but that they got some really talented ones. And like you said, when you talk about guys like Dexter, I think he's you know got the potential to be a freak. But uh, Lamar Goods is a guy that Dan Mullen apparently has been extremely impressed with. Uh, you know, from when they were doing their mat drills uh, the other day and they started those. So I think they've got a lot of talent there. The, the reason I asked you is because I look at the um, the defensive back class. And to me, um, it, it doesn't stand out as quite as much of a, an immediate need as, you know, say, interior defensive line. Um, but you look at it, Florida has four senior safeties. Um, you know, Marco Wilson's probably gone after next year. So even though you've got a guy like Kyir Elam, uh, you know, that looked to be a potential star, that that group's only one year away from really needing to count on a lot of young players to step into huge roles. So when I look at the guys that Florida signed there, you know, Ethan Pouncey, Jahari Rogers, Avery Helm, you mentioned Mordecai McDaniel, Trevez Johnson, all, some of these types. I mean, Florida got eight defensive backs and pretty much all of them um, are pretty high quality prospects, you know, four star type players. A couple of them went to all American games. Um, so to me, that that breadth of uh of talent at, at defensive back was something that florida absolutely had to have in terms of both bodies and quality and uh it'll be interesting down the road to see which of those two groups ends up uh looking like you know the best part of this class going forward yeah you know in 24 7 sports actually tabbed i believe it was florida had the top defensive back they call did. in they, the entire they, 2020 cycle so i mean again like you said quantity and quality was, was what florida got in the secondary of the cycle all right, Blake. Well, um, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, we got a couple things we want to get to after the break. Uh, you know, Florida has a new staff hire, although it hasn't been officially announced yet. We'll get into that, and then we'll also start to uh, kind of lay the framework for what Florida should be looking for with the 2021 recruiting cycle as we move forward. But uh, we'll be back right after the break, guys. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, one of Florida's newest staff additions. We actually, you know, we thought that Florida might go through an entire offseason without making any on-field coaching changes. Larry Scott ends up taking the head coaching job at Howard University. So Florida had to hire a new tight ends coach. 
and they landed on Tim Brewster, snagging him away from North Carolina. Uh, Blake, I'll, I'll let you get into a little bit of his history, um, but he's been around a couple places. He, he coached with Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, uh, kind of in the earlier parts of his tenure there, uh, and obviously had an extremely successful stint at Florida State when they were kind of building that program into uh, an eventual national champion. Uh, what, what's the word on the street in terms of uh, what Brewster brings to the table, particularly as a recruiter? Big recruiter. You know, uh, this is a guy that is a well-respected coach and how he prepares and, you know, what he brings on the field. But, I mean, Tim Brewster, I mean, he's bringing a big recruiting prowess to Florida. Um, you know, how we talked earlier about how Florida needs those closer types and that, you know, you want to see Florida close on signing day. I think that's exactly – I think Dan Mullen must listen to this podcast because that's exactly <laughs> what he got in Tim Brewster. Tim Brewster is a, is a, is a shark on the recruiting trail. I mean, he's one of those guys that's going to go above and beyond, um, and he's going to be that guy that's it's going to help Florida a lot. It's kind of one of those things where Florida, you know, a couple of years back, you know, you're talking about Jim McElwain needed some some you know juice on the trail and needed to add some of these guys, and he brought in Juwan Sider. I feel like this is kind of the same deal here, where you bring in one of those ace guys that's going to do a really good job of getting guys on campus. He's going to close things down, um, and he's just one that just really relates to a lot of guys. I mean, you look back, like you said, to you know where he really built up that Florida State whenever they made those big roster moves, and they you know they were really killing it on the recruiting trail. I mean. Uh, this is the guy that I know a lot of Florida fans really were on the bad side of it of, you know, where Dalvin cook made that flip from Florida to Florida state. Um, but Brewster was one that played really big dividends down there. He has really strong ties to South Florida, um, which is really good for Florida because I know we'll get into 2021 later, but South Florida is loaded in the 2021 recruiting class and they've even got some really good dudes in 2022. So I think this is a guy that's going to really help Florida down there. Um, you know, has really strong ties in Texas as well. He was really the instrumental guy that landed Marvin Wilson at FSU, that five-star defensive tackle that they'll have back next year. So, you know, Florida's really worked hard to get Texas as part of the recruiting footprint. He landed Princely, you know, um, last cycle, you know, uh, uh, Avery Helm, Jahari Rogers. So Florida's really trying to get into Texas. You know, it's a big state. You know, these hometown schools aren't really holding on to those guys anymore. So I think that a lot of schools are recruiting at a national level now, and that's what Florida's looking to do as well. So I think that that, again, just a big recruiter for Florida. And I'm really excited to see how he does translate to 2021 because Florida only landed one tight end last cycle, which it wasn't the biggest need in the world. They missed on a guy like Demarcus Beckwith, who was kind of that Kyle Pitts type of, you know, hybrid kind of guy. They bringed in a, you know, a, you know, uh, Odom. Um, Jonathan Odom, you know, the legacy tight end there, who, who's kind of a different guy because he brings in you know a blocker and a, and a tight end with size, maybe a red zone type of guy. So I, I think that Florida would have really liked to add another one of those athletic guys in, in the way they use pits. So I think that that rolls over into 2021 cycle to where Florida's probably going to need maybe one, probably two tight ends that cycle. Because you got to think, if Kyle Pitts has that year that he had last year for Florida, he's most likely going to be on his way yeah. to the NFL. Yeah, so Florida's going to have to not only prepare for maybe adding a guy, but uh, you know replacing a guy like Kyle Pitts. So I think it's a big spot for Florida to fill the cycle, and I think that Mullen got the guy to do that. And I think when you look at um, not just Brewster's reputation as a recruiter and as a coach, but the fact that Jimbo Fisher was kind of pursuing him uh, for a job at A&M and uh, Brewster kind of turned that down. It says a lot about what Dan Mullen and we don't again, it's not official yet. Florida has it's kind of still ironing out uh, some of the details. They're probably going to shift some roles around within the staff, you know, maybe uh, name somebody an associate head coach, uh, you know, st stuff like that. Um, so until we know the actual details and the contract, uh, I would just venture to say it's going to be a hefty deal. I mean, it, it, I think it shows you that Dan Mullen is committed to kind of like like we talked about improving that last little bit of recruiting 
to get you up onto the you know that that level where you're recruiting with the Georgias, the LSU's, the Alabamas. Um, so I think that more than anything is, is really important. I think this was a position where you know Larry Scott certainly wasn't uh, you know one of the dead weight type people on the coaching staff at all. Um, but I think you are getting a significant upgrade here, at least in terms of recruiting when it comes to to Tim Brewster. And, you know, like you said, there's so much talent in this uh, 2021 class, particularly down in South Florida, that I think his connections are really, really going to pay off. Um, and and I think it says something too. Mm-hmm. one more thing to add there. I think it does show, like you said, that Mullen does know the deficiencies that he does have in his staff. For sure. You, know, you look back into, you know, Charlton Warren making the move to Georgia replaced with a guy like Torian Gray, who I think is, I mean, look, we're talking at Florida having one of the better defensive back cycles that they've had in quite a while. And I think that Gray played a big part there. Um, you have a guy, South Sinceri, who landed two, all of two defensive linemen over like the three year span of recruiting that Florida had there. Got David Turner right in there. Looking he did a great Florida's job. Got yep. a great job looking there. So I think at this point, you have to trust these hires that Mullins made because he has shown that, you know, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. Larry Scott isn't a slouch. I mean, he was doing great in Tampa. He was doing great in Polk County. But it's good to at least have a guy who is seen as an upgrade. I think that's what Brewster is. I mean, you, you, you have one guy who was one of your better recruiters gone, and now you might have added your best overall. Yeah, well, it's, and it's always one of those things. It's like it's a tricky balance between – um, you know, when you're building a staff, how much do you want to put emphasis on kind of coaching and development versus recruiting? And, and obviously they're not mutually exclusive at all. You know, the best coaches do it, uh, you know, do both of those. Um, but you typically don't have a ton of guys that are, are just absolute nails at both. And I think obviously continuity with Dan Mullen and his staff has been very important to them in terms of building the program and developing players the way that they have. Uh, and the way that they've done it has been very sustainable and successful. I mean, you look at what Mississippi State did when Dan Mullen was there. Um, you know, I think the track record speaks for itself. You know, Florida wins 10 games and 11 games. Uh, when Dan Mullen walked into a situation that was really pretty bad. I mean, the, the, the roster wasn't very well balanced. Um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, y- you know, I, I just think um, I think Dan Mullen is, is really finding the right chords to strike here. And, and I think it's going to help a lot. Um there, there's probably a couple other hires, Blake. Um, I know, I think, I think we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast about Florida maybe potentially adding guys like Charlie Strong and Kerwin Bell as analysts. Those are again, those are those are further moves that just really help you cement the development of your players, gets extra quality eyes on all those kind of things. Again, nothing official with either of those still. Um, it seems like Charlie Strong uh, is potentially still getting interest from some other jobs. Um, so nothing, nothing has happened on that front yet. But again, I think Dan Mullen, uh, you know, this is another offseason where I think you'd say the staff overall has gotten better. And I think that's going to I think that's going to help a lot with this 2021 class. So I I did want to get into 2021 a little bit just in terms of, um, you know, maybe we can talk more generally about some of the needs for the class and stuff like that, rather than drilling down into, uh, you know, individual recruits names and stuff like that. Kind of keep it generic um, just from the standpoint of let's let's figure out what the base is for this recruiting class. Um, Blake, are there any particular areas that stand out as major needs to you? You know, I mentioned tight end. I I think you just have to think of the impending loss of Kyle Pitts, um, you know, because more than likely he's going to be a focal point for the offense next season, and he's probably going to be just as good as he was last season. So I think barring any kind of crazy things happening there, I think that puts a bigger emphasis on tight end for Florida. So uh, you know, that spot, you know, I think even just in general, Florida, I mean, we we praised the defensive line haul that they had in 2020, but I think they're still going to lose some pieces after the season, and you always have to make sure you build that depth up. So I think that maybe not so much as an emphasis on the interior part of the defensive line, but I think that Florida could still stand to really hit on that defensive end position, mm-hmm. um, kind of get those, you know, maybe not these stand-up buck types, 
but Florida has added, you know, a couple of those guys. The 2019 class was when they really went heavily on that buck position. But I, I think you could still mix some of those guys in there. But I think overall on the defensive line, I think you need to get those true strong side defensive end types. Secondary is always a spot for Florida. You mentioned Marco Wilson's loss. A couple of these other guys in the secondary will either be you know, on their way out to graduation. They're going to have to make some decisions how that goes there. So I think that maybe depending on numbers, how things go there with Florida, I think you're going to see a pretty heavy another, maybe not as many as this last cycle, but you're going to see a good amount of defensive backs in there. Um, I, I think wide receiver is pretty it's, I wouldn't say it's a big need for Florida, but I think they're going to need to continue to hit along on that position. Um, you, just to, uh, you have to kind of keep in the back mind that you may have some guys with a waiver. You may have some guys playing. So uh, running back, going to carry over. They have a guy that's an all-purpose guy in Brashard Smith. Um, kind of can you know, you know do a little bit different things. I think he's going to be a little bit more of a gimmicky type of running back. I, th- I still think you need one of those traditional run and pound type running backs. Um, offensive line is always big, um, but I think linebacker is probably one of the bigger positions to watch because Florida is going to have some guys that are on the upper part of their, you know, their uh, eligibility for Florida, um, and it's a really talented hall for, uh, you know, in state for linebackers. There's a lot of elite guys um, in Georgia and in Florida that Florida's already in on. So I think that position, um, and, you know, even to kind of go back to defensive line, the state of Florida this year in general is very loaded on the defensive line part. So I think that that is where you also kind of have to look and see, well, you know. Just from the landscape of things, you know, the state of Florida is lo- was loaded with these type of players. So I think this is what we need to go after. Um, you know, a guy like Leonard Taylor is one of Florida's top overall guys. He's, I think, top five player on the top 247 for the 2021 class. So, I mean, we're talking a big-time talent. And this kind of goes back, you know, a guy like that, a guy like Xavier Sori, who is number 15 on the top 247 for 2021. These are in-state guys, defensive line, at linebacker, positions of need for Florida – Yes, but also it's big. These are the big boy battles that you know you want to see Florida starting to get into now. You know they've they've won some of these battles against you know the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, and I think now you know is holding these guys in in the state of Florida that are you know the big guys that you know a lot of these big schools have continued to poach. I think those are the kind of guys that Florida needs to get in on and lock those guys down and keep them home. So you know those are a couple of needs for Florida that I would say right now. Yeah, you know surprisingly, I was I was putting together a scholarship chart. You know now that the 2020 class is signed. And uh, I still think one of the, the needs for Florida when you look at the numbers is on the O-line. Now, they do have two tackles sure. committed already, um, but you're going to lose three guys that, you know, were basically starters and contributors. And um, mm-hmm. because of the because of the huge hole that, that Florida had there in certain classes, um, that's another spot where Florida is going to have to add a couple more, I think. Um, and, and again, you just want to continue piling on quality. You know, you don't want to take bodies just to take bodies. Uh, I, I do think at receiver, um, I, I think that they're they're already at their target number there. Um, so unless, you know, unless somebody leaves or something like that, um, I think the focus for Florida at receiver, it, as I'm looking at it, should be to land really just an elite guy. You know, you're, sure. you're they've got for, two committed now. So, yeah. So you're looking at, you know, Xavier Henderson type players. Um, I don't think you settle on unless you just absolutely fall in love with your evaluation on a lower rated guy. Um, I, I think they focus on winning an elite battle and, and just kind of doing that all cycle, putting, putting your full effort into maybe one or two top guys uh, on top of it. Like you said, the guys they already have. So, yeah, but I think that the emphasis you're going to see is really, uh, again, I know I mentioned it earlier is that strong side defensive end type. And I think that the Florida's next junior day, which will be on March 7th, they're going to have a lot of out of state guys there and a mix of some in state guys there. You're going to see a pretty heavy number of guys on the defensive line in there that weekend. So again, Florida's Florida's looking to help on the defensive end spot. Um, you know, you mentioned that, 
You know, you've you've added like what I'm, I'm thinking. Princely is the one defensive end guy that they've added over since Chatfield in 2018. So yeah, and maybe I mean, Johnny Brown could play yeah, inside sure. out. Who knows? You're playing a guy there that's you know have to use some versatility. So you know, I just think Florida at this point they've done a good job. They have a guy in Tyreek Sapp who I think is a really big-time player out of St. Thomas Aquinas. He's already committed. I think if you can continue to build around him, maybe if he's your ceiling, because I, I think he's I, I'm that high on him, I think he could be your ceiling. I think you continue to build around him and get that depth going back on the defensive end spot. Yeah, because I, I do think, you know, we talked a little bit about the guys that are there, the Zach Carter, the Andrew Chatfield. I, I think if, uh, if Zach Carter plays anything like he looks, like uh, I know there's a picture floating around on social media, he looks like a cyborg tank right now. Um, so he may even end up playing more inside than outside. Who knows? Um, but I think he's a guy that you, you start to look at the juniors that could potentially go pro next year. To me, if he lives up to his potential, he's a guy that could potentially be looking to leave. And then, like you said, uh, you're looking at you know needing some guys that are going to be able to contribute right away. So, like you said, got to go after some some top end talents there, like like a Tyreek Sapp. Keep him in the fold. Maybe get one or two others to really kind of complement that class. It's recruiting season, man. This is the time of year where all these guys are taking visits. It's a, it's a dead period actually right now. We uh, Florida just had their first junior day back in February. Um, had had some big time guys on campus there. A couple of their commits. They actually landed a commitment that was uh, Florida's most recent 2000. Oh, excuse me. No, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Florida's second most recent uh, commitment in Dejon Reynolds. He's a four-star wide receiver out of uh, Grayson High School, which is a really bloated high school out of the state of Georgia. Uh, measured in at 6'2", So he's a big body type of wide receiver that Florida's going to bring in. And I think he really pairs well with the guy who is Florida's most recent commitment um, in Travante Rucker, the four-star guy out of Ocala Vanguard. He's your traditional slot guy. I mean, he's he's about like 5'10", 5'11", um, but he's very fluid. He could play some special teams too. He's, he's really big impact on kick return and punt return. So, you know, Florida's already done a really good job. Their last two commitments are at wide receiver. Um, so, you know, I, I'm with you. I think at this point you look for that big-time guy um, but I really like what Florida's put together in their 2021 class already 11 commitments and we're here sitting still in February so I mean yeah, we've I mean, got a year to go class yeah man I mean you can't count on all these guys I mean these guys are going to take visits I think you always from the recruiting standpoint have to expect you know at least one or two guys to find their way out um, you know I don't know that I could really put a finger on a guy you know right now I mean Tyreek Sapp is a guy that's going to take visits Kamar Wilcoxon is another one who's going to take visits Clinton Burton Jr. is another one who said he's going to Chief Borders actually Popped up at FSU the day after his Florida visit after he said that he was going to take any other visits. So, I mean, man, we're in we're in silly season of recruiting. So, um, but I, I think that Florida at this point, if you're holding to fight on, you know, you're fighting these guys off. It's always easier to hold on to a guy um, than it is to have to flip them. So I think that this point, Florida's, you know, they're doing a really good job. Number four class in the country, number one, the SEC. Obviously, those numbers mean absolutely nothing now since it's a year out. But I, I think you have to like. Every year, I feel like we talk about the recruiting class, and Florida's a little bit better of a spot starting out than they were the year before. So I think 2021 is going to be a big class for Florida. Well, we will definitely keep an eye on that, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, like we talked about, you know, just how much of an impact Tim Brewster can, can have on the trail, whether or not he can be you know, that kind of closer that the Gators need. But uh, that'll do it for us today, guys. We'll be back next week. I think we'll probably the plan is probably to uh, talk a little bit about basketball next week because I think Florida's coming up. Uh, you know, with a key stretch here uh, as we're filming or as we're taping this, uh, Florida's getting set to take on Texas A&M on the road tonight. Florida's lost four of their last six, so things are a little bit dicey. And I, I really think uh, the Gators probably need to win probably at least five more games to make the NCAA tournament safely. Um, and you look at the schedule, it's not going to be easy. So we'll probably get into a little bit of hoops next week, guys. But until then, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in.
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.